Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Um, have you ever noticed that when it comes to age, it's all about perspective? It's all about perspective. For some people that are here this morning, 20 years old would be old. For others, 30 is, is really good, and 40 is ancient. And yet, as you move up the ladder, and as those years pass by, your whole perspective changes. 40 is not old at all. 50's not as old as it used to be. 60's not too bad. I'll stop right there for now. But it's okay. We got some folks in the 70's here that are strong in the Lord and strong physically and going forward. It's all about perception. It has a lot to do about your vision in life. It has a lot to do with the fact that I'm not just retiring and quitting. Now, my situation may change. My circumstances may change. I may not continue working at the same job, but... I don't just check out and retire. Life goes on. There's, there's too much ahead to just sit down and quit. So what about the years that you have ahead? That, you know, I think a scripture that we hear so many times during this time of year is found in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. You'll be familiar with it. It says, where there's no vision, literally that means no revelation of God and His Word, the people perish. Or, or unrestrained. Sometimes we relate that to the fact that when people don't have any vision or foresight or discernment about the future. And, and I think that is, can be applied here. But technically that scripture, that the scripture says when people do not accept divine guidance and revelation, they run wild without restraint. They have no clear direction. They can't see the purpose that God has put before them. And it says, but whoever obeys his word, whoever obeys the law, is filled with joy, is joyful. Vision literally remains just simply the ability to see things that are invisible. But it's more than that. Vision can relate to seeing things that are, in fact, invisible. Having that inner discernment, perception, and foresight. And, and vision is so important because it'll help you. It, it'll help you, when you've got clear vision, it'll help you, it'll help give you direction. It will keep you focused. It'll ignite passions within you. It'll motivate you. It will help you prioritize in your life, and it'll bring real fulfillment. But there's two main problems when it comes to this idea of vision. First of all, when we look at our vision, our foresight, our perception, discernment, looking forward to the future, uh, sometimes vision is just too general. When you've got a you know, when you're thinking about your future and what's ahead, uh, and you're thinking about it, it's just too general. It's kind of like, you know, you know, my vision is to just live a better life. But what does that mean? My vision is to love God more. What does that mean? My vision is to help others. Well, what does that mean? It's too general. You can't get your, your mind around it. It, 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 it it prevents you from making the specific decisions and goals that you need to make. But also, your vision can be too small. 
restricted by limitations, lack of money, uh, lack of planning, being restricted by your past, by fear and failures, maybe by what someone has told you, negativism. Sometimes you can develop tunnel vision where you're focusing on something so small and insignificant you can't see anything beyond that. So today, we're going to look at this, this idea of vision and making room for more in your life. Making room for more. I hope you'll bear with me. We're going to move through this quickly. It's not going to be long and drawn out, but I'm going to cover a lot of Scripture. I apologize for so many for using the Scripture so much in a message not too long ago. And I was lovingly reprimanded for that when I leave. I said, Pastor, don't you ever apologize for using a lot of Scripture here? Well, I don't want to bore people by too much of reading through the Word, but, I, but God's Word is real. It's alive. It's working. We need it in our lives. So we're going to go to several passages here and walk through it together. Isaiah chapter 43 uh, is talking about uh, what the Lord has done, about making a path through waters, about His, uh, his power, the power uh, of the chariots, the horses, the army. And it picks up with verse 18. It's talking about the, one, the, the amazing things that have happened, what God has done in the past. But picks up in verse 18 of chapter 43 of Isaiah and says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. New Living Translation puts it this way. But forget all that. Forget, even forget, don't just live in the past. Forget uh, all the, you know, you saw, some, you saw all these powerful, wonderful, amazing things that God did. It's a way, it's a way of saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen anything yet. It says, forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I, this is the Lord, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Behold or see, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth suddenly, and I've already begun. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God wants us to make room for more in our lives. I, I love this Old Testament account found in 2 Kings chapter 4. You can go there with me if you like. It's uh, looking at verses 1 through 7. You'll be familiar with it. I think most of you will. Listen to this. It says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared and revered the Lord. But now a creditor's come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. And Elijah said, what, what can I do to help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? I love the answer. She says, nothing except Nothing except a flask of oil. Her nothing was not nothing. Uh, it appeared to be nothing, insignificant. What, what good was it? But when it was put in the hands of God or when, when, you saw, when you saw the power of God in it, the nothing became something. It says, nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Now, I wonder what the neighbors thought. 
you know me well enough to know that I think about things that are not really that normal sometimes when reading scripture. But when I'm looking at this and I'm seeing you're sending your sons out throughout the neighborhood around you and they're borrowing jars. It probably was no secret that this family was very poor and perhaps at the point of having near to nothing. And yet here's these boys going out and gathering jars. Why? Well, anyway, they did it. Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons. Shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars. And then set each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Verse 6, soon every container was full to the brim. And she said, bring me another jar. And her sons, there aren't any more. They said, there aren't any more. And when they said that, when it came to that point, the Bible says the olive oil stopped flowing. The supply stopped. She told Elijah what had happened. And this is what he said. He said, go sell the oil, pay off all your debts, and then you and your sons can live on on what you have left over. They were not living on leftovers. The leftovers was more than enough. The leftovers, when it comes to living on these leftovers, is more than enough. It supplied everything that they need. It made their living for the rest, at least till the boys were grown and out and able to be on their own. Do you understand? An amazing account. But but let's let's kind of let's move to something else. We'll talk about a small lunch and supernatural increase. Matthew chapter 14. Um it begins to talking about that, well, here's what happened. Jesus had heard the story of the tragic death of John the Baptist, his cousin, and a great prophet had been beheaded. He heard this horrible story, and what he did was he, he got into the boat, and he went to a quiet place, a remote area, to be alone. You can understand that. But here's what happened. They probably could see the boat in the distance from the shore. And what happened was as people watched this and the boat moving, the crowds moved along the shore. And by the time he reached a particular destination, there they were on the hillside. They'd gathered around him in a huge crowd. And the Bible says that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them and healed the sick. Pick up with verse 15. It says, that evening the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send all these people away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. That makes sense. It's getting late. It's getting dark. There's thousands of people here. There's nothing to feed them with. There's nothing to eat. It's time to send them away. So they can take care of themselves. Sensible. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. 
You feed them. I'd love to see the look on the disciples' face when he said that. That's not necessary. That's not necessary. You feed them. But, but, but what do you mean? Verse 17. They said, but we, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. We know that it was the lunch of a young boy that had come to, uh, that was there. Now, this is all we have. This is what we have. And Jesus said, bring them to me. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. They prepared. He was making preparation. Jesus took the loaves and two fish. He looked up toward heaven, blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread, uh, he gave the bread, he gave the fish to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They, verse 20, they all ate as much as they wanted till they were full. And after no shortage, no lack when it came to what God does. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. An amazing. Oh, you know, all these sound like really, really wonderful stories and fairy tales. The only thing is, this happened. This is true. Yes? It's true. There was at least 5,000 men there, plus women and children. So there's no doubt more than 10,000 people. So the 10,000 people been there all day, and enough food was provided through five loaves of bread and two fish to fill them and have plenty left over. Making room for more. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds, crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water, two, two empty boats at the water's edge. The fishermen had left the boats and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, Simon Peter, he said, who was the owner of the boat, said, push it out into the water. In other words, edge this out into the water a little bit offshore. That would allow him to be in a position to speak to the crowds around him. They could hear him better. And so, he did that. And when Jesus was finished speaking, then he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper. And let down your nets to catch some fish. In other words, use what you have. Do what I say. Go deeper. Now, these were professional fishermen. Jesus was a carpenter. <laughs> the response in verse 5, that he said, Peter said, Simon Peter said, Master, we worked hard. We fished all night, which is normally the time they fished, late in the night up to dawn. And we fished all night and didn't catch a thing. We, ha we have nothing. We have nothing. Next few words are very important. We don't have anything. This didn't work. It doesn't make sense. Next words are important. 
But Lord, if you say so, if you say so, you ever been that place in your life? Lord, this doesn't make sense. I, I, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't see how this can happen. I see the needs all before me here. I've tried and I've tried and tried and it just I, it's resulted in nothing. But Lord, if this is what you tell me to do, I'll do it. If you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Jesus said, go out deeper, deeper. Let your nets down, verse six. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. <clears throat> and they called their partners, the others there in the other boat and said, we need help, come there. We need to make room for more. There are too many. So they came over with the other boat. They filled up the boats with the fish till they were, till they were sinking. And when Simon Peter, now when this happened, it got Peter's attention. It got Peter's attention and said, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before the Lord. He talked, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He recognized that this was, this was a divine act, that this was supernatural. He, it caused him to see himself and his need. And, and they were all struck. It says the people there were all struck by the number of fish that they caught. And then Jesus says, and he says, says to Peter, says, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You see this miraculous power, the supernatural, these things that are happening. And then you see your inadequacy and your needs and where you are in your life. But he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for men or I'll make you fishers of men. And it says that as soon as they landed, they left everything. They left life as they had known it. They left everything and followed Jesus. God wants us to make room for more because he's a more than enough God. How many of you, when you think about your life and you think about moving forward, you think about the future, about this new year, say, Lord, I, I want to make more room for you in my life. More room for you in my life every day. More room for you in, in your word. More room for you in prayer and in, in worship. Lord, I want to make more room for others. God, there are people that, that need to hear about you. And there are people that need help. And I, I want to have a heart for others, Lord. Uh, make room for me to have a heart and compassion for others and do something about it. And, and I think he wants us to make room for more. Make room for increase and blessing and promotion in our life. Make room for more. We might look at some steps of increase. Here's steps to take to move toward increase. First of all, present what you have to Him. You present what you have to Him. Bring the loaves and fish to him, surrender to him, commit your way to him. Secondly, do what he tells you to do. Go get the jars, cast out into the deep, let down your nets. 
bring the loaves and fish. Do what he tells you. You know, you know, well, and also we need to remember that sometimes in order to make room for more, we have to, sometimes in order to make room for more, something has to go. Something has to go. Sometimes in order to make room for more, something else has to go. Life is too cluttered, too filled. There's other things there. In order for us to make room for God to do what He wants to do, there's some things that we need to get rid of in our life to make room for more of Him, for more of what He's called us to be. Thirdly, use what you have. In other words, be faithful with what you already have. Be faithful with what you already have. Fourthly, Learn to prepare, make preparation. Sometimes the reason we don't receive from the Lord, sometimes the reason we don't move ahead according to His design and plan at the time He wants us to is because we've been waiting around and we've been thinking that we're just here marking time and, and wasting time when in fact that was a season He was preparing us to receive. And if we get so busy looking out in the future and wondering what God's going to do and forget about the fact that He's doing something inside of us today that when it gets to a place to where He wants to do something for us, we're not ready to receive from Him because we haven't been preparing. We're not prepared to receive what He has for us. So we want to be sensitive to Him and learn to prepare ourselves to make preparations in our life to bring us to a place to where we can hear and receive from him and finally fifthly you always have to use your faith the just shall live by faith not by sight there's only one way to please God you can't please God without faith the scripture says and so you and I as believers have to understand that if we're going to make room for more, if we're going to see increase come into our lives in every aspect of our life, then we have to learn that this is a walk of faith. This is something where you're not ruled by emotions. You don't, you're not ruled by your uh, bank account. You're not ruled by what seem to be limitations. You, you're not ruled by any of these things. But you're ruled, you're ruled by faith and confidence in who he is, and in his ability, in his provision, and who he's called you to be. You don't look at those things. You look to the word because the truth is in the word. Always. Always. Got to use your faith. Share with you one of my favorite passages of scripture. There's two or three verses in here, but, but um I'll begin with verse 6 of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Listen to this. This is, this is Paul who says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. In other words, in order to make room for more, you've got to use what you have and you've got to exercise faith. That means you've got to be willing to give. If you're going to have, if you're going to experience increase in your life, you cannot hoard, you cannot hold on to things, you cannot be stingy. If you're going to bring increase in your life, you have to be generous, you have to be a giver, you have to sow. And that's what Paul's saying. He says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. New Living Translation says, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. 
So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. Don't give reluctantly or under pressure because God loves a cheerful giver. Then verse 8 here is one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. It says that God is able to make all all grace, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have abundance for every good work. If you don't mind, I'm going to read that one more time. Even if you do mind, I'm going to read it one more time. <laughs> no, you don't. Verse 8 says, and God is able. Everybody say, God is able. God is able. This, this, you know, it comes, here's where our source is. It's one, it's through his grace. It's through, it's through receiving from him. I mean, he's the God of abundance. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. All grace abound toward you. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have abundance for every good work. Wow. Verse 10 says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you've sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Message Bible can put, he says, uh, he gives you something you can give away which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing great praise to God. I got just one or two more little things I'll point out in the Scripture before we go. Interesting, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 54, it begins talking about uh, um, people, uh, people, People that are barren. It's about a woman that is barren, cannot bear children. There's nothing. Barren means empty, without. And it begins by saying, let the barren, let the one that's without, let the one who sees no evidence of anything being produced in their life. Let the one who looks around them and maybe sees what everybody else is doing or everyone has, but they don't see that themselves. Let that person without child at the time sing now when you're the one that's without or when you're facing that barrenness in your life and there's things going on there that's not always an easy time to sing but he said let the person even when this is the state of of, of circumstances of your life sing and cry aloud And then here we come with the words of faith and expectation. It's the ones who don't seem to have any need for room that he says, here's what you need to do. Expand your tent. Lengthen. Now they lived in tents. Most of them at the time. Expand your tent. Lengthen the cords. Enlarge the place of your tent. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings do not spare to lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes that seems ridiculous that that statement would be made in light of the people who cried out and said we don't we don't have anything why should we make room more, why should we make room for more 
when we don't have anything. And then the power of God and faith moves into the situation and says, ah, it may look like you don't have anything, but here's what I want you to do. Expand the tent. Make more room. Kind of puts it in our vernacular here when we, when we move into the New Living Translation. It says, enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home and spare no expense for you will soon be bursting at the seams. More than enough. When God says make room for more, he gives us the promise that if we'll do that, that he'll fill it up in more. Be bursting at the seams. The reason some of us don't have even what we need is because we're not walking the faith and the expectation and making room for what God will do and what He wants to do. That was true, Pastor. That was good and that was true, Pastor. But in First Chronicles chapter four, verse ten, we have what's referred to many years ago. A lot of people got wrapped up in this, and there was all kinds of books and publications and prayers. Uh, built around this. It's wonderful. It's good. But it's considered the prayer of Jabez. It's 1 Chronicles chapter 4 verse 10 that is a prayer and says, Oh Lord, that you would bless me and enlarge or expand my territory. I want to make more room. Lord, make more room in my life. Make more room. Enlarge, expand my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Or in other words, keep me from all trouble. And pain. And it says that God granted the request. How many of you know that I, I think that God's moving and speaking to us, so many of us today, and saying, You need to make room for more in your life. I've got more than what you have. I've promised more than what you're experiencing, than what you're receiving. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to use what you have. I want you to be obedient and do what I call you to do. But I don't want you to just settle for where you are. I want you to make more room for more because God's got more that he wants to do in your life. I'll say it again. I don't care who you are, what your situation is, or how old you are. God has more for you. You need to make room for it. He'll show you how. There are specific things maybe you'll need to do. He'll show you how. <laughs> in other words, you've got to increase capacity. One of my other favorite passages in the New Testament is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. It says, Now to him, the Lord, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Amplified Bible says that he who, is, who, do, who, who does super abundantly, more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams. That's the God that we have. That's the God we serve. He says, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. We receive this as all these things, exceedingly abundantly above everything that we ask. God is able to do this in our life. He says he does this according to the power that works in us. In other words, it's his power. It's the Holy Spirit working in us that produces, that brings about these things. It's prayers of faith that brings about these things. You, many people read this and say, well, is God just going to heap it on me and more than what I ask? Thing? He's saying, no, wait, wait, wait. This is subject to 
subject to your faith and subject to the level which you will allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. When it comes to producing more, when it comes to facing this next year and moving toward increase, let me just give you three or four things. Just, I'm just going to mention them. It's important to remember in the process and in your journey here. First of all, remember in this life and as you move toward increase and toward more, that input determines output. What are you going to put in to the situation? Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you're going to make room for more, you've got to first of all give, sow, serve. And in your process of this, remember, it may, it may not always be smooth sailing because the enemy and the world system is set to limit you and discourage you and to keep you from being all God's called you to be. Yes? So I want you to understand that there will be some, there will be some challenges, but I want you to always remember that a setback, that God can turn it around and a setback may actually be a setup. That God may be putting you in a place that's setting you up. For blessing in the future. Thirdly, I want you to remember in all of this, regardless of who you are, and I'm older than most of you in this building, so no matter who you are, get it down inside of you that though the days may be different, the best days are still in front of you, not behind you. And finally, don't ever settle for mediocrity in your life as a believer. It's interesting when you look at the word mediocrity or mediocre. It comes from a combination. In Greek, it literally, it comes from a word that means middle and the word that means a jagged mountain or peak. And, and with it, and there are actually... Uh, stories of this actually happening that draws a picture of mediocrity of where mountain climbers were climbing this this uh, climbing a mountain and and uh, very few had actually made it to the peak and they begin on the journey but there is a there is a resting place there is a a place to camp there about halfway up the mountain and so many of them, when they got to that place where they could rest and where they could camp and look out over the view that was there, they said, man, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. And they decided that they would just stop there. It was good enough. They stopped where they were. But a few decided that I'm not going to stop here. The view's good. The rest has been good. It's comfortable. It's higher than most people have made it. But I'm going all the way to the top, to the best. And so in the Greek, it paints a picture which literally means halfway up the mountain. Mediocre means halfway up the mountain. I want to encourage you today, don't be settled with halfway up the mountain. Go for the peak. 
Go for all that God has called you to. Go for all that he's promised you. Go for all that he's put down deep inside of your heart and the dreams and the passions are there. Go for it. Even if it feels uncomfortable, even if you don't know how it's going to happen, even if you've been discouraged along the way, don't stop halfway. Christian's not ever supposed to live a mediocre life, but a life of excellence. Now, sometimes in our life, things are happening in order for us to make room for more, in order for us to increase capacity, in order for us to move in the direction with the vision that God has given us, there has to be a change of trajectory. Many of you, as you watch on radar and the storms there, you would see the storms and they'll mark out the trajectory of that storm. And they'll say, and they'll draw the lines there. And James Spann along with all the polygons. And, and he'll draw the lines there and he'll begin to name every little town, every street, every school, every crossroads. And says, the trajectory is taking the storm this way. This is the direction. But it's difficult for meteorologists sometimes because there's things that can happen in the system that will, as they say, change the trajectory of the storm. It'll turn. There's those of you that watch sports, let's say basketball for instance, and the ball is thrown and it goes out of bounds and there's a judgment called by the referee or the umpire. The referee, there's a judgment call there that says, You're the last one that touched it. That man was the last one that touched it. And the, then if that's not your team, you're going to say, no, no. No matter what your team is, you're going to say, no, that's wrong. So sometimes they'll go back with a review and do a review. And when they do a review and do slow motion, you'll notice they want to know when the ball went out, was it touched by the other person before it went out, before it went out? And they'll watch it very slow. And as it goes by, they'll watch whether the ball, when it's tipped, changes directions or changes trajectory or not. And if it changes, directory, uh, changes direction and trajectory, then they know something has happened. It moved in a different direction. Hello. Now, <laughs> now here's what I want to say before we go. Maybe you need to see a change of trajectory. Maybe you need to see something in your life that will touch your life or that will, a wind that will blow in your life that will take you in the direction of more, of more, of walking in what God has, you, has for you. Can you receive that? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Lord, we want to worship you today. God, you are a God of abundance. God, where there's more than enough. And today, Lord, we just want to celebrate your goodness. We want to celebrate the abundance. We want to celebrate, Lord, the grace. We want to celebrate the provision. All, Lord, comes from you. You have so, so blessed us. 
Lord, take the word this morning. Speak to each and every individual right where they are with what's going on in their life right now. And Lord, that whatever needs to happen to perhaps change directions or move them, move any one of us in different directions, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, change us. Change our trajectory. And Lord, help us to always understand that little is much when you're in it. And it may seem like we, that, that there's nothing there, but there's always something there. If we'll put it in your hands, you'll bless and you'll multiply and you'll provide. Lord, that's what we want to do. And I pray for multiplication and growth in every person's life, every person here today, in their personal life, their spiritual life, in their family. Lord, in their future, in the call on their life, that whatever barriers have been or whatever has been holding them back, Lord, Lord, will go just like the mountains are moved by faith, that they'll go. And Lord, they'll forge forward in their life fulfilling your call, your purpose, and living out a life of more than enough, always making room for more. Lord, that's our prayer. That's our heart now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I pray, I pray that that's what the Lord has spoken to you this morning and that you'll take this and apply it in your life. We're going to close out with a wonderful time of worship here before we go today. If you have any particular things you want to come forward to pray about, commit to him things he's speaking to you about today, then feel free to come forward. And if you desire prayer, we'll be glad to pray with you. But let's close out by giving him worship today. So I'm